0: From Immersive Labs, this is Cyber Humanity.
1: Hello again, I'm your host, Chris Pace. Cyber Humanity is the podcast taking cyber security personally, trying to get inside the heads of hackers, as well as putting our feet in the shoes of defenders. These podcasts essentially come in two flavors either us ranting about themes close to the hearts of security types or us chatting about threat and security stuff from recent weeks. Gosh, there's only one story this week, and to discuss it with me are my three empty Bitcoin wallets, Kev Breen, Max Better, and Paul Bentham. Thanks. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh sorry, except for Max. Max has got a full, full, Bitcoin. full Bitcoin wallet, yeah, just doesn't a whole, have the password uh, for it. <laughs> yeah, I'll get it, I'll get it as I said at the outset there is really only one story this week and it was a it, it it felt like it was a bit of a slow was it a bit of a slow burner I felt Ooh, like, it was, is that a like pun? Oh, it's another it's a, <laughs> it's another um it's another ransomware uh, attack and I thought oh no this is interesting because they've had to shut down opera that's when it gets interesting isn't it it's ransomware but they have to shut down operations and then suddenly we're all paying attention and that's what made us originally I think pay attention to it
2: I, the thing that made me pay attention to the story is because it's the plot line for a James Bond film, of course, with um, uh, Dr. Christmas Jones and her um, pipeline that they blew up.
3: I do remember that. Remember
1: that film? Yeah. Oh, uh, Denise Richards and yeah, was it Piers Brosnan Christmas. then? It must have been. It must have been. Yeah.
2: yeah. They, they called her Christmas uh, just for the ending pun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, look it up. Uh, uh, Google it. Yeah. Google it. Yeah. Google it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just that's a bit of a stretch basically what you're saying is it's got a pipeline in it
2: well how many films with pipelines in do you know
1: I mean Mm -hmm. yeah go on then I'll wait
0: (laughs) Dark Horizon
1: (laughs) that's a that's a film about a pipeline that doesn't count
0: what I'm sorry. <laughs> Name a film that's got pipelines in it, no, Dark Horizon. That's a film about pipelines. Right. That that's doesn't a do- count. It's more like a documentary, <laughs> A. And
2: B, this is an interesting, dramatical film with a
1: pipeline as the centerpiece. See, see yeah, not think we're getting film. anywhere. OK. <laughs> no, sorry. We're, 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 still, we're still digressing. We said it. We, we... Yeah, just a bit.
2: I think all you need to know is that Ransomware Hit Pipeline Pipeline got shut down. America's did state of emergency because their gas was affected. All of a sudden, the infrastructure agency did something about ransomware. And um, then we're done. And we're here where we are today. It's back online.
1: Well, if you've enjoyed this podcast. (laughs) 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 So this is the Colonial Pipeline hack. Uh, you I mean, again, I'm not gonna I feel like we need a whole segment that's just called if you've been living under a rock. Um but you can't you cannot have failed to have known that one of the largest pipelines in the US was shut down after a cyber attack. Five and a half thousand miles of pipeline which carries forty-five percent of um the East Coast fuel supplies, um and and goes and travels through fourteen st- Anyway, basically it's a big deal. They got attacked by uh, ransomware, and we'll get into later on who the attacker was. Um, and essentially, that attack was effective enough to um, to force shutdown of operations, which is is huge. Firstly, can can I
3: I'll just ask? Critical infrastructure. I don't know, Paul. I'll ask his opinion, maybe. But critical infrastructure. What what what? One company is supplying forty five percent of all fuel to the east coast. Like mm. it,
2: obviously, not a nationalized
3: one. Well, it wouldn't be would it in the U.S. a pri- private company. A private, but surely that if you're going to do any disaster planning you'd be like oh, it's just one company we could knock out.
2: well it's interesting you should say that max there's a pretty nerdy thread going on about the difference in regulation between the eu and uh us when it comes to critical national infrastructure which i could happily bore <laughs>
3: on about but i think maybe we should do the the cyber bit the but, story okay. first the cyber yeah. but, no, but it is it's a good story yeah. well i mean it wouldn't happen right if they if they had uh, split split well, it, would, well of wouldn't have happened as badly
2: but well, isn't it true that these colonial people only had like Or is it that the information security manager they were advertising for a job or there's like one person that didn't know site like isn't there something a little bit suspect about their cyber security posture well i don't think not having why.
1: a, I don't think ha- not having a uh like d- director of cyber security or whatever is necessarily i mean the ncse doesn't have one hasn't had one for like two years because the um no, this is not the ncse sorry the cyber security center in ireland doesn't have one i was reading a, an article today and um, because they're not paying enough so i don't think it's unusual for i don't know if you know paul there's a skill shortage in cyber it's not unusual for organizations <laughs> to not have you know, s- specialists yeah, we should, and stuff. Is it? We should get a training. We should, yeah, get a we should training. build some kind of yeah. platform to help yeah. people learn it's cyber something. stuff. Demand, yeah, you kind of should <laughs> Get right on that. So anyway, so let's get into what has actually, what actually happened. So how is a bit of ransomware so effective that it is able to actually shut down infrastructure? Because this, to me, feels like the thing that we all talk about—the potential of happening—and of course, has now happened. And ransomware in the wake of this story has now become like suddenly international news and at the, you know, the, in the, at the kind of center of the political discourse, which is pretty fascinating. But Kev talk to us about a bit about the technicals then.
0: Well, it's, it's weird. So, um, so this is traditional ransomware. That's, that's all we're talking about here. And, uh, the ransomware didn't actually shut down the pipeline. Colonial shut the pipeline down themselves, uh, in order to protect the integrity of that side of operations. So in terms of IT and OT, their IT networks were hit. Um, their service portals, the uh, invoicing accounting sections of their infrastructure, they were, uh, what, from what we can gather, they were heavily impacted. Uh, but the, their actual OT, the control the pipelines, wasn't. They shut this down themselves uh, in order to try and protect those sides of the network from further intrusion.
1: And they were worried threat actors were in the system. And so therefore, from their perspective, the best thing that they could do was remove risk by shutting those systems
0: down. From the limited information we have, that's kind of what we're being told. Yeah, I
2: suspect there was a financial side of it as well. If you haven't got, if your OT is running, you're pouring like squillions of gallons of petrol somewhere and you don't know who guess, bought guess. what. Sorry, guess. um, <laughs> translating for British listeners, um, and you don't know who's bought what, then that's going to cost you a lot
0: of money per day. And that that accounts for their, their pipelines actually started coming up relatively quickly. Um, they put them into a shutdown, like they have to do a controlled start and um, like repressurize. there's loads of technical stuff around it, but they actually restarted their pipelines. Stuff was flowing, uh, but it wasn't flowing all the way to the end user uh, or to their customers. And a big part of that is because they couldn't invoice, they couldn't charge, and therefore they, they kept them shut down until those services came back online.
2: And this, ladies and gentlemen, is why nationalised critical national infrastructure is probably sometimes a bit better.
1: Uh, explain that it, what i mean why
2: what well just because well because you wouldn't the government would w- wouldn't matter about the problem Oh,
1: because you wouldn't be looking and worrying about the money seeping you'd, away you'd worry
2: about a different deal yeah
1: you'd worry about you
2: know the fabric of society crumbling and people not being able to get to hospital or whatever
3: people filling their their, their boots up with plastic bags oh, yeah. full, of, yeah. full of gas which is what they did right. yeah, yeah
0: so i think it was may the 6th uh, was when they were actually attacked, so that's zero day, uh, May the 9th, uh, The announcement from Colonial says that uh, four of their main lines are still offline, uh, but some of the smaller services are coming back online. Uh, Kev, didn't uh, you miss something on May the seventh? Didn't they pay the ransom
2: on uh, May the seventh? Yeah. <laughs> May the sixth ransom, May the seventh paid the ransom. hey They've been listening to the podcast.
0: <laughs> yeah, so th- like they they originally came out and said we're never going to pay. And then uh, paid. So May the seventh, they paid. I think it was. Uh, it was probably a week later, somewhere around the twelfth or thirteenth, uh, when it actually broke in the news that they paid. So oh. there was a gap between us knowing. We do we
2: know this from the Bitcoin uh, transaction analysis that they paid on the seventh? Yeah, I you know. I I love this because the one thing I love about Bitcoin is everybody's like totally anonymous. No, not I'm not only, yeah, no, it's good yeah. <laughs> Exactly, but like the theory of Bitcoin is why the criminals love it. Is that it's well, anonymous, isn't it? But of course, it isn't. Well,
1: time. so how is it? Well, let's just get into that a little bit then. So, as Kev quite rightly says, we just know that it was. We don't actually have it, uh insight into the actual timeline, but we, what we do know is that the suggestion is that they have paid. They, I think, seventy-five Bitcoin is it, and so therefore, dependent on the yeah. dependent on the time yeah. that on, that was on paid, the 8th of May. dependent on the time, the day that that was paid. You know there's, a, there's an estimate that it was around that it was around five million dollars so but then but then i want the question i want to ask is how then is it not anonymous so i know that it's something to do with how the wallets received the payment but how does somebody how has someone worked out that colonial paid that money
3: well so so the the wallet numbers are usually pretty public so they you can get that from any of the malware because <clears throat> it'll have the wallet number in there, so please, please right. pay this number. So then you just go and look up the number, and because all blockchain is, is public, you can then view. And so they viewed that on the eighth of May, seventy-five Bitcoin were paid into uh, this wallet number, which which did happen to have other payments into it from uh, the same other people who had been also victims of Darkside. So there was like fifty-seven other payments to other wallets, and then and so you can kind of they do now analysis on the blockchain so you can kind of track all where all these transactions go because usually they use different wallets for each each transaction
1: and that is based on the that is based on the the wallet number that you that is given as part of the as part of the malware the ransom and then the time i'm assuming the timeline and the volume of the payment is an indication of the fact that this was colonial is that it
3: yeah, I don't
2: know if they... It says who it's from, doesn't it? It says it was from
1: um, the colonial pipeline.
2: Yeah, you'll be
1: able to tell uh, where. Oh, okay, I didn't realise
0: that. They, they identified the um, exchange where it was bought. Like, the companies like this don't have a reserve of Bitcoin, mm. so they have to go and purchase the yeah. Bitcoin from an exchange. Uh, and you can tell which exchange it was purchased from. So there's some things you can correlate from uh, in there as well.
1: It's so strange because we've seen that we've obviously seen this happen before and it's kind of surprising that there wasn't an intermediary. You thought if you were colonial, the first thing you'd do would be to farm that out to, you know, to someone, to some middle organization, um, to sort of remove the, remove the spotlight from
0: you in that context. Depends how quiet you want to be. As soon as you start bringing in somebody like soft to do those negotiations uh, on your behalf, then you're not going to be able to keep, uh, as tight control and. Um, this is dark side dark side might not like those kind of relationships they might uh, they might demand you do it all in person like on your own
1: we've definitely seen it before where there's where there's certain ransomware affiliates that don't like dealing with intermediaries do they and they make very they make very clear that they don't like dealing with intermediaries so i suppose who you get attacked by is just luck of the draw
0: yeah uh, and it, there's, there's some really interesting stuff that falls down from the the crypto analysis. So uh, Darkside are an affiliate, Uh, they're ransomware as a service. So uh, they ship everything out to affiliates and affiliates will do the initial compromise, deploy the ransomware. Uh, And by tracking these Bitcoin payments, you can actually see which affiliates are doing what uh, by tracking the wallets and the percentages that go across to them. Uh, And uh, there was another large uh, attack, uh, May the 11th, uh, 78 Bitcoin, from Brentag uh, another, another company that were were ransomed. Uh, And it was the same affiliate um, that was paid for both of those attacks, which would suggest that potentially the way in uh, was the same in both those situations as well. Uh, so there's a lot that you can pull from from that kind of crypto analysis. What I do like about the analysis by Elliptic
2: is that it's uh, crypto uh, anti-money laundering, crypto AML. So this is where the financial services industry is firing I I guess they probably AML wasn't as hot in crypto senses for example a few years ago random guess but and now that industry that sector and AML is an absolute like massive part of what financial services do and now they're applying the kind of skills of follow the funds and make sure that it's not being laundered etc etc to crypto which will then restrict uh, criminals uh, ability to operate to, to launder.
3: Well, they do, they do something called taint, so they taint the Bitcoin. So if they identify them, part of the anti-money laundering is that they'll just watch it and then all those Bitcoins are, are technically tainted. So if you get sent some Bitcoin, uh, that was eventually what was tracked back to colonial Ooh, your your Bitcoin is tainted and then it's worthless essentially
1: this is the equivalent of serial numbers on new notes right it's yeah. why if you rob a bank you want used notes um little recommendation if you haven't watched the great northern Bank job on uh, on BBC it's about a, the the biggest uh ever bank robbery I I think either in Ireland or in or in the whole of the British Isles, but basically that was the problem there. Sixteen million pounds of the stuff that was stolen was new notes, and so all they had to do was introduce a new kind of banknote, and a re- and they you know they already recouped like sixteen million of what was stolen. So I suppose it's exactly the same methodology, isn't it? Basically finding yeah. a way of making the currency worthless.
3: And then and then for the bad guys, it's trying to find out how you launder it. So uh, typically, they'll move it into something. Monero is a very high privacy. Uh, cryptocurrencies. So if you transfer it, um, uh, e- sorry, exchange it into Monero, then they're, you kind of they're lost the path then. But it's, it's the exchanges that are also regulated. So it's finding an exchange that isn't regulated to train, to transfer it into Monero. And then you can, so, you know, the, the FBI, I'm sure, will be out after all the exchanges. And, and even if some of the exchanges are a bit dodgy, if the FBI are particularly hot, like they would be on this one, uh, they're probably unlikely to want to Exchange that to to any you know any other currency.
0: The the so that wallet was first created like March this year, uh, and it's already had seventeen point five million uh, U.S. dollars worth of crypto uh, transferred into it. That's I mean, that's a lot of money to make in a couple of months.
2: Yeah. Is that before or after Elon Musk said it? Uh, said it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's indeed comment and took the bottom out the market.
1: Max, Max, um, I I seem to remember that you had a bit of Bitcoin, didn't you? So you yeah, were very happy yeah. with old uh, <laughs> with
3: old Elon. No, no, it's great. I'm I'm doing the long game. I'm playing for for you know I I've cleverly forgot my password so I can't ever cash out. Uh, so so Astute. once, Astute. once it, yeah once it reaches high enough I'll I'll have to hire some AWS services or something to crack my password.
1: Let's <laughs> head back to the timeline because I'm I'm kind of it so the the, the the fact they paid the ransom is interesting but it's interest more interesting to me in the context of the amount of downtime. You would have thought well you've paid the ransom a day after you were attacked act. Why do we still have pipelines down like six or seven days later?
2: I love this, Chris, because every time, as you know, every time we do a webinar on this topic, I'm like, pay the ransom, systems back up, back into mm. the coffee shop for yeah. me as the CISO. And uh, it seems that maybe that isn't that
0: realistic. It's not. And like we, again, we've, we have spoken about this on most of the webinars where um, the crisis sim hits that point. It's like, all right, so you have paid. Here's your decryptor. Great. Well, first of all, that's this weird, janky other executable file that's just been delivered by the same people who set weird, janky executable files running on your network. <laughs> totally trustworthy. Um, and yeah. to be yeah. fair, they, they ransomware operators when they're building their ransomware they put a lot of effort into making sure that the crypto sound that it does like really good encryption uh that it stays stealthy and under the radar because that's what they need to happen their decryptors literally they don't care so that is single threaded not fault tolerant like barely works is going to be slow
2: you know what's ridiculous about that just thinking about it the the, the encryptor doesn't you don't get paid any money for the encryptor. the decryptor <laughs> no. is a five million dollar piece of
1: software yeah uh, which is why it just it just goes to show you that something is only worth what a, what a company is prepared to pay for it yeah which we, we so
0: we saw this with garmin and garmin was a year or so ago now but uh, when garmin paid for their keys they hired in uh, a company to build themselves uh, like a really good, like fast, stable, reliable decryptor based on the technology and the keys that they'd recovered. Uh, I don't think that was the case here. Uh, based on reports that they attempted to run the decryptor, it was so slow and painful that they were also just recovering from backups at the same time, uh, <laughs> which <It's, if> not, <laughs> is pretty okay. bad.
3: All, all it is, all you need, right, is the um private key that they provide you in the decryptor to decrypt your your files so so it wouldn't it's not that difficult for a techie person to take that key out and just make their own decryptor it right?
0: is it is a little bit more nuanced than that you need to be able to read the header to to get the the key so they actually use uh, i think they're using ChaCha to do the actual encryption and yeah. then they encrypt the so that the way these cryptos work is they use a really fast encryption um uh, something like uh, AS or DES or ChaCha in this, and then they use the public key to encrypt that encryption key. Uh, so you need to use the the public key to decrypt that, past the header to pull that out, and then run that that faster decryption on it. So it's a little bit more nuanced. Like you can't just extract the key and then run that key everywhere you still need to build something that will pass the files uh, recognize the file extensions like you've got to recover the original file names the original file extensions put them back in the right place like and this is the stuff that mzsoft uh, that's the service you pay for if you bring into another like um, yeah
1: I had a question about um, the net na- so the nature of the infection then because it feels to me like it, it would take a long time if what you were describing was on hundreds and hundreds of servers or was wormable and was on thousands of servers and workstations is that what we know about dark or is it likely that they've just infected a number of like key systems
0: so dark like most of the big ransomware operators they're very hands-on so and if aff- they'll have paid an affiliate for the initial access um mm. or the affiliate will have done this themselves but uh, they are very selective, so they'll go in so Dark side they have, they have a code of ethics in how they select
2: Robin Hood <laughs> um,
0: They also have a code uh, in how they select how much you're going to pay as well. so they will first they'll identify net income, they'll identify exactly how much you could be able to pay like how much liquidity have you got in order to be able to pay this out. So they will be very very selective about the the data they hit they're also dual extortion uh, so they'll go in they'll steal data they'll exfiltrate data and then they'll drop the ransomware in uh, to hit key systems Uh, so they probably dropped four or five binaries in like a couple of good locations trigger them all at once and uh, if they're smart enough which by all accounts, these kind of groups are—they'll probably like disable logging, disable event logging, so that it takes a while before you even realise that this, this thing is happening. So by the time the files are encrypted, it's too late. Like the, you're not going to be able to get there.
1: So surely, if it's that targeted and it's only a small number of machines, it should—it should take them no time at all to decrypt it. I'm still—I'm I'm still confused. It
0: depends. Like, <laughs> <laughs> we don't know exactly what was it we don't know what was encrypted we don't know what was taken we don't know what the impact was i presume
3: they don't either right so maybe that's the problem is that how do they know is it just the encrypted computers or are they in elsewhere and still downloading other data you know is that is that part of they have to investigate the incident as well
0: yeah i mean you've got to you've got to make sure you've shut them out and keep them out before you can start bringing stuff back online like you don't want to start running through decryption and find that they're still in there or you've still got some remnant which is still like encrypting in the background if this thing's just set on on timers and stuff so do we know how they got in we don't know how they got in VPN. Uh, it's <laughs> <laughs> so the, what we do know is this threat yeah. group uh dark side much like all the others like maze uh like rival uh they use Either credential reuse through RDP or they use vulnerabilities in external facing applications like your VPN appliances, SL appliances and uh, stuff like that. So those are the two traditional routes in.
2: Do you think they um you'd mentioned the ethics, the code of ethics that so they don't um they don't hack government um medical Yeah. Why do you think in this case they accidentally hit Quote unquote,
0: accidentally hit a pipeline. Well, they apologized, didn't they? They, they came out and said sorry. Uh, they were just in it for the money. They didn't realize. So, again. Is this a bit like what happened? Was
2: there some a hospital that was hit that had the same name as there was some like ransomware where they, like, it's easy to get confused when you're just spraying and playing ransomware? Uh, it was a remember?
0: university that oh, got here yeah, and the yeah, university yeah. was attached to the hospital. Uh, in this instance, again, from what we know, the ransomware didn't take the pipeline offline like that was something colonial did themselves so from the the attacker's perspective they were hitting their IT systems not their OT systems so they wouldn't have factored the fact that oh,
2: so even if like, so they knew they were going for a pipeline they thought well we'll just take this down gas will still keep flowing through the pipes but because they're not anarchist like hackers are they they didn't they don't want to cause mass
0: disruption like anonymous would or anything like that do you think yeah, they, um, they're very clear in the fact that they're just doing it for money and it's uh, last year they donated like thirty tens tens of tens of yeah, thousands yeah, of dollars to charity, to charity. Like, not not that i'm condoning so any of their actions because they did that so weird. well the
2: charities rejected it though
0: yeah i
1: saw that do they do they protest too much one of the stories that came way out of left field was from um was from russia <laughs> for context reported reported on rt.com so just worth mentioning it, it's reported on rt.com but saying that the saying that the attack um was not a, you know a russian cyber criminal group but was in fact the cia um and that was Russ. Uh, <laughs>
0: first yeah it, it was a really weird article they came out and said that this was umbridge umbridge was responsible so Umbridge is the known code name for the cia uh, offensive team uh, it was just really, I don't know why. I'd, uh, maybe trying but to transfer him.
2: But hang on. But it was it was it was the ex-founder of Kaspersky. Kaspersky, not actually
1: Kaspersky themselves. Yeah. important yeah, to yeah, distinguish. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: So and and but it's interesting because I like a bit of rampant speculation. So <laughs> it could have been CIA, right? But here's a different idea. Uh What if they were ransomware on some sort of relatively minor system? oh, this is irritating. It's going to take us a while to get this back up and running. If we shut down the pipeline, we'll get the three-letter agencies to help us out. Let's just turn that off. And, oh, help, 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 help. And then the CIA come in, FBI come in. They fix it all and state of emergency, sort
1: out the trucking, everything's fine, turn it back on again. Well, I don't know, because because to Kev's point earlier, they, they were very transparent about the fact that they had taken that They had taken the pipeline. Yeah, fair enough. Down. That's a rubbish so, conspiracy theory, isn't it? So. Yeah, because because the the conspiracy part was completely out in the open. Um, yeah, but Hiding the Russian in plain thing is, sight. The, the Russian thing raises more interesting questions to me. Natalia Kaspersky has not been involved in cybersecurity for some time, as far as I. Is she a social know, media and influencer is now? Is espousing espousing theories about you know how Umbridge operates and um, you know what the group do and how, what their methods are and all this and it just goes to show that you only have to again I gave the name of the website for context but you only have to say something reasonably interesting to the right kind of media outlet about a story that is ongoing and know a little bit about cyber security <laughs> like enough to be dangerous and it will get published
0: I mean if it was it seems to have had the right effect because dark side have gone they've they've been forced into early retirement they've been 17 and a half million dollars richer but <laughs>
3: Yeah, do you think they've been forced into re- retirement? Or they've gone, oh, we'll, we'll take that Ooh, 17 so, million. Well, no, and- th-
1: this is an imp- important question, because this takes us to the the intervention, doesn't it? The intervention from uh, the US government. And what was it that the FBI and CISA... CISA. 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 Cisa, <laughs> Cisa no, well, I've been speaking did- to some
2: Americans about this, Chris. You know how it's a CISO in America, not a CISO? Mm, well, CISO. Mm. CISO? It's CISA. It's
1: legit, legitimately CISA. Poor, poor are we are we in america uh no right so yeah okay anyway um this is what uh, so what have the fbi and SISA C- sissa yeah, actually <laughs> Cisa. actually done they've done something um to their infrastructure something to do with servers but did that actually have an impact on the amount of Money that they were able to get or was that more to do with stopping them being active in the future?
0: So there's there's a couple of different things uh, and we I'm not sure how tightly the two are coupled so we've got uh, Darkseid announcing they've going to fly now the way Darkseid operate uh, at least in this instance is they multi this so you've got Colonial who were being attacked and they were being attacked from servers inside the US Dark side stood up a load of infrastructure in the US probably on AWS uh, or some other um, hosting service. Other cloud providers are available <laughs> for hacking uh, they set up infrastructure <laughs> in the US and launched their attacks from there so that 100 gig of data that was stolen from Colonial was was staged out to something in the US and then the idea would be that they would then pull that back from their US hosting servers to what is speculatively uh, in the in Russia. And we know that the FBI, Caesar, uh, in partnership with whichever hosting provider it was, stepped in to shut those servers down before all of that data could be uh, exfiltrated. How much of it they managed to get from that US staging out to another, out to wherever they were, we don't know. Uh, We're being told that uh, they stemmed the flow uh, yeah, from they, leaving the U S we don't know how much they manage it. It's a hundred gig on a big backbone. Like,
3: And Kevin, how, how do they know firstly, how, how would they know that? Secondly, why wouldn't they have, if before they dropped the ransomware, if they've got this hundred gig, why wouldn't they have mirrored it elsewhere anyway, before they even start the attack?
0: I mean, it's fairly easy to tell if you've, if you've got the hosting provider on board, uh, most hosting providers track, uh how much bandwidth you're allowed to use so they'll know exactly how much bandwidth has been used and where Mm. it was coming from like all of their logs will show the connections from the vpns from the vps's uh to all the source and destination you're gonna get a lot of data on exactly what went where well volumetrically how much went where uh so they should be reasonably confident in saying that you've only got incoming SSH sessions coming from anything uh, and you've only got stuff coming from colonial. So they will be able to tell very easily if stuff went outwards or not. Uh, So that's one side. And then we've got the dark side announcement saying that their control panels, uh, and other stuff have been taken offline. Now I don't know if that's separate to what the FBI and CESA did in this instance, in shutting that, that, that infrastructure down, um, or whether they also went after that infrastructure.
2: I think they—they've um, had to have a change of trousers, haven't they? So if I was—if um, I was this like happy-go-lucky ransomware criminal, and I just like accidentally really upset the American government i might
1: claim that i've oh well i've lost everything i'm shutting it down <laughs> right run away like i'm
2: gonna go and sit on the
3: beach with a newspaper and, well,
2: and run a, or it's, run it's away hilarious.
1: or run away change your tie and come back next week calling yeah. yourself something else well, it's,
3: it's like what happened to warnacro they didn't intend to take down you know most of the nhs at the time and they're like when it happened they're like oh god okay this has gone a lot worse than we we thought it would
0: well we we see it a lot with ransomware players like these aren't the first ones to like early retire like Maze did it like there's so many that do it and now it doesn't take it doesn't take long before some other group steps in with very similar techniques i mean like when Maze disappeared there's a lot of parallels to draw between dark side and maze um in the Ooh, rampant speculation uh, well it, just that the malware operates very similarly like the encoding encryption techniques they use the the initial infiltration sections uh sections uh techniques uh, are very similar. Uh although what sets Darkseid really apart uh, from other groups is the amount of interaction they have uh with their um, their victims. Like there's chat sections, there's a full forum threads, like there's uh, public announcements they have a code of ethics it's all public they have their like their leak sites which are, are very popular but i think this is being called ransomware as a company rather than ransomware as a service uh, because they are operating very much in in that kind of style they'll they'll do an assessment they'll work with you to figure out how much you can pay like, it's all very very
2: strange i, th- I think quite, the most interesting like part of that, this though kev is that for once in its life the u.s government intervened like, what, mm. give me an, an, an emo tech shutdown. Quick, super
1: fast as well. Super, really quickly and oh, effectively yeah. as well. Yeah. So, yeah. Only... so yeah. what?
2: What is different about this situation? Right. We've had hospitals go down. We've had like well, big administration government yeah. with a big key. Yeah, exactly. We've had so many. Like, and it's not you can't just say oh it's critical national infrastructure. Is there something? Is it that? Is it that it was gasoline? Was it just an accident that? they because the FBI, CISA, etc, try to do this every single time. And this time they were successful to do something. Have they got better? Has the new administration given them more powers? I know, obviously, Biden put an emergency state of emergency straight away. So they could switch to um, shipping the gasoline by see it translated shipping the gasoline by truck instead of through the pipeline. What's the is there any reason why they were more effective this time than normal?
1: Well, I, like I said, I wonder, um, or like I alluded to, I wonder whether it's just that Biden having got those agencies in the room together said, well, they're going to take action. Like his job is to, his job is to be a person who decides whether action is going to be taken by those agencies. And I wonder whether he just took their advice and, and. That liked their advice and was like yep okay take action But so, the, it.
2: Well, so um aligning this with like a military option so hmm. the the generals or the people in, in charge of those agencies gave him options and he took one so those options you were suggesting perhaps were available in other situations like the sailor winds compromises and the
1: um maybe previous administrations were less keen on upsetting russian threat actors Boom. <laughs>
3: Oh, there you go. If you've enjoyed this podcast.
2: Get <laughs> <laughs> I mean,
0: the other thing I'll say is that, like, they, we have been learning a lot about going after ransomware groups. We know a lot more about how they, they operate and the executive order that's just come out, uh, has a lot more, uh, structure in place on how do you respond to cyber incidents? It feels how a bit
1: more like. Here are pr- here is practical stuff to do. Uh, having yeah, actually,
0: worked with the three letter,
2: but having worked with the three letter agencies, like their power is big. I don't imagine that their technical capabilities were left wanting historically. I'm su- I'm suggesting maybe it was that they didn't have a license to operate in mm-hmm. this space previously, and that executive order. I I, I did skim it. It didn't seem like. It didn't seem like it had a lot of like new legal powers for them to operate that I saw. Like it was all about what you should do, but not necessarily like. And I give carte blanche for the National Security Agency to intervene in any situation that affects U.S. interest or something. Well, you can't, that's the,
1: the problem. Is that's too that kind of too blatant opening up that mm. yeah without looking at looking at it on a case by case basis. Um, to just ad- to get into a little bit the technicalities of what they did. I can only really find information that says they took down servers. Do we have any insight into what they were actually able to do and how they were able to do it? We don't. Just, Nothing they, at all. So maybe they've done something super secret squirrel that they really don't want to talk about, that they're keeping in their back pocket for taking down loads of other ransomware groups. I don't
0: think so. This ransomware group operates like very, very publicly. Mm. uh so it'll be a lot easier to identify uh exactly where their stuff is hosted especially right. if it's already in the us and we've seen that in the last year uh there's a lot more um gone into how you can get hosting so uh, aws now require you to do a lot more in order to get access to AWS accounts and most cloud providers have gone the same way uh they're mm. restricting uh, how easy it is to get hold of their infrastructure uh, so, like all of those things combining over the last year, probably gives them more information that they can. That there's more actionable data there for them to be able to correlate.
3: Do you hear what what happened to the other other groups we talk about all the time? So uh, Reval are getting a bit bit scared, and they they deleted all their ransomware topics off their forum. Ah, so that, that
0: wasn't Reval.
1: Now they, they have a code of ethics as well, there. Uh, so
0: so this this wasn't the ransomware operators. Uh, this was the oh, the, uh, the forum providers so there's a yeah. couple of big uh, forums so exploit in and xss uh, which are completely independent of the, the locker groups but they've now been getting a lot of unwanted attention uh, from law enforcement because they know that this is these forums are used to resell so if you can get somebody into the forums, then you can start tracking stuff, which means all of their threads are getting a lot more intelligent, uh, a lot of people coming at them. So they've just cartwright uh, like blocked the, the any announcements of any locker services. Uh, it was really funny. So XSS were the first ones to do this a couple of days ago. They just said like, we're stopping and we're deleting everything. And then Revil came out and said, um, all right, fine, we're gonna move. Uh, they moved over to exploit which a couple of days later then did exactly the same thing. Uh, so a lot of them uh, announcing they're now gonna start going private. We've also seen a lot of them bring in more codes of ethics. We're seeing uh, a lot of them, so Revil, one of those turned around and said, they're gonna have more control over their affiliate networks. Yeah, And if affiliates bring in stuff that is in one of those banned sectors like healthcare, they're just gonna give out the decryptors for free where the affiliates Yeah, there are three tenants,
1: three tenets to this change in their kind of what, what they're calling these new restrictions so basically like you said number one any work in social sectors like healthcare or education institutions is prohibited um they're also prohibiting work in the government uh sector or at state and at state level i'm assuming that's any government level um and quite interestingly i think from um from Revo the idea the idea that they're sort of um, targets are now going to be agreed upon with the administrator administrators of the kind of partner uh network and basically the attacker will have to justify like i am attacking this organization because i just uh, it, it doesn't feel to me like colonial was that big like the person dying in the german hospital was worse right but for whatever reason and maybe it is because um the u.s government have taken action maybe that's a factor um but this doesn't, this reaction feels sort of across the whole ransomware industry feels kind of extreme.
0: Well, it, looking at how much Colonial will impact, were impacted themselves, it wasn't, that was no, no different to to mm-hmm. anything else. But if you look at the, the ramifications that had, like the stability of the oil market in the US was affected. Uh, there were gas shortages across most of those states there was panic buying which then drove prices like it had like a real world effect on the oil and gas industry on its market value so uh, i think that's what triggered a lot of the the reaction from the government to step in uh and then that like max said put all of the ransomware operators on the back foot like made them stop think ransomware is not going any anywhere like it's still going to be happening but yeah Interesting, to see where it goes from here.
1: Maybe the suggestion is that you can be you can be more targeted and still be successful without causing this kind of impact is the bottom line. It's
2: the only, I suppose the only thing we don't know is who's to blame for accidentally hacking Colonial. Uh, Was it the affiliate that got the initial access or did DarkSide not do their research when they got on there to know what would happen or they did know and they just didn't think they'd shut down the OT part of the network?
0: I I think it was um, so the whatever affiliate program they're using the the affiliate came and said we don't know exactly how their affiliates work so in ransomware as a service you've got your ransomware like the core group uh, which is probably only a handful of people at most uh, they build the ransomware they operate the ransomware infrastructure uh, but they don't do like most of the attacks they will do some they'll do targeted stuff but basically what they'll say is they will recruit affiliates and say you go ransom somebody like you go do the initial uh, infection here's the ransomware payload you will deliver into that network uh, oh so they do not pass it- the creds back so this this is the key point so the affiliates actually
2: take the ransomware and deploy it or did they give do the affiliates give the creds to the
0: ransomware both of those things are true um Um, so depending on the size of the organization the affiliate might come back and go i've got initial access this is what i'm like buy the initial access from me Uh, and then you can go in and you can deploy it wherever you want to deploy it or uh, the affiliates will go in they will gain the initial access they will drop the ransomware maximizing its damage uh, and then the payments all go back through the the ransomware operator and then the affiliates will receive their share so both of those things are true depending Mm. on the size of the organization Uh,
3: because they downloaded 100 gig though i imagine they would have given them initial access right and then they they gone gone in and and got all that information
0: uh, well, the, maybe the, the affiliate the affiliates are given on like their... instructions so like the the interview process to, to become an affiliate is uh like fairly in-depth uh you have uh, to show Hagenica. you're technically capable they then uh, they will give you a set of instructions <laughs> 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 i can either confirm nor deny um, so yeah like say said we we don't know enough about the inner workings of those affiliates but both of those things have been seen which in itself might be interesting we might see the the decline of the affiliate networks uh we're seeing a lot more um like investigative journalists breaching those affiliate networks we've had three or four of them uh, actually sit down and like spoof their way into interviews with them uh pretending to be them so law enforcement's probably doing the same uh we've seen that people are start uh, these groups are starting to get scared and they're starting to lock down like how much their affiliates are allowed to do so we might see affiliates just like starting to dry up if they can't trust that their affiliates aren't going to affect the wrong people or at the wrong level uh we might see that that dry up and the the groups go back to only attacking themselves
1: yeah it feels like stories like this put a target on their back don't they back to that back to that point like why why does this matter stories like this put a target on their back and i think we have been in a place probably for the last 3 years where we Ha- these conversations have always felt very circular. I mean, so what do we do? You know, what do we do? Ransomware, it's impossible to combat. You know, how is law, en- how is law enforcement going to stop it? You know, what a government agency is going to do? And just makes you wonder whether we will look back at this moment and think, oh, this was when it kind of, this was when it sort of changed. This was when the target was on their the target was on their back. You
2: know, I, d- I, agree, I agree with that as well, Chris, because I I think this story, more than any other rant, ramp- I mean, the, somebody died in a hospital in, in Germany, and that was still mostly only reported by um, mm. tech, InfoSec mm. Press. This story broke through. It was being reported yeah. in, like, Not the everywhere. Financial Times, and, and I'm sure, and that's just in the UK, I'm sure the coverage was wall to war because people's, you know, it's, you know, literal the things they use every day in their cars couldn't but It's true for, for
3: Americans on the East Coast. That had much more impact than one woman behind, dying in Germany, which is horrible, but it's Super- true. It's yeah, it? true, the...
1: And on that potentially industry-defining bombshell, we must bring things to a close. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please do subscribe, rate, and comment wherever you get your audio content. And if you want to know more about Immersive Labs, you can find us at ImmersiveLabs.com or follow us on Twitter at immersive labs. Until next time, from all of us, goodbye. 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 Bye.